Mom, do I need to leave? It's a topic. Game of Thrones, Mom. I just thought maybe I could add to the conversation a little bit. Hi. What do you think? You sound like Ira Glass. <laughs> I do? Yeah. Oh, that's a compliment. He's professional. I know. Mom, we're in the middle of the episode, please. Yeah, but don't you want to... Darling. I'm being told I'm a bother. I'm keeping okay? the I'm signing out now. I know you're keeping this shit in. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, before you start this podcast, why don't you stop and listen to Angel with a Shotgun for a bit? Just for you. Okay, I'm Maj. I'm Zoe. Welcome to Bait. Um, welcome to another Straight Bait special. We did 10 rows last summer. So I'm proud that Brianna of Tarth is a cis woman. Is, <laughs> I would say, wildly inaccurate. That's true. Um, welcome to an episode on how to quickly and efficiently kill an incredible ship. I know. Like, we talked a little bit about how, um, how they killed Stucky very effectively in the ending there, but that wasn't near the levels of what the fuck was going on here. It was just like they were saying, fuck you. Today, we are talking about the most devastating thing to ever happen. Happen? Watching this in real time unfold is the worst time I've ever had. We're talking about Jamie and Brienne. Brainy. From Game of Thrones. (sighs) Okay, Um, some background. I hate Game of Thrones so much. I think confidently I can say that it is the worst TV show and pop cultural sensation and the worst part of the modern cultural canon to ever exist. And secondly, I used to love Game of Thrones so much that I wrote fan fiction for it. And it takes a lot for me to write fan fiction for something. I don't hate Game of Thrones as much as Maj, probably because I was never as into it as Maj was, and also because I got into it at the very end. I'm also a brown person. There's also that. It's a violently racist show. I got into it at the end. I read all the books, which are honestly delightful. Horrible, sexist, not as racist as the show. Still racist, but not as racist as the show. Because I don't think any, most things can't be as racist as the Game of Thrones series, though. It's a lot. I read all of them when I was a senior in high school, and and I watched, binged the show. I will say the show started out very strong. Like, a lot of the writing was very good at first, because they were working off the books. And then it's like, my biggest question with the end of Game of Thrones, and like, you know, spoilers for Game of Thrones, but the ending sucked. They just took all of this amazing character development, this plot that they've made, and everything that they've set up for years and years and years, and they were just like, actually, I'm not gonna do nothing with this. And I'm just gonna say, fuck all of this, and just, like, have people get crushed by falling rubble and do literally nothing. Basically, everyone who's had the misfortune of bringing up Game of Thrones around me has seen me being like, did they not like it? 
they wrote this show. Did they not like, did they not even like what they wrote? <laughs> David Benioff and whatever Weiss, you walked into this. You made this. You could have done this differently, but you didn't because I thought you liked what you were doing and you didn't do that. And you couldn't even pretend for like eight episodes. You couldn't <laughs> pretend that you liked what you were writing. It's just like, I feel like they thought they were being genius and subversive because the whole time they were told they were genius and subversive for like really graphically killing brown people or really graphically raping women. Literally hadn't had a graphic death of a major character to that extent since the Red Wedding. And then they beheaded Missandei. Oh my god. For no reason. No fucking reason. Except for Danny's, like, fascist pain. I would hate what they did to Daenerys if it wasn't just, just a little vindicated. The thing that I'm most mad about for Game of Thrones, and this ties into Danny and Brienne, so we'll get to that, but the things I'm most mad about in Game of Thrones are, like, all the things that they failed to follow up on, mostly with Jamie's character development, because it was the best thing on the show, more on that later. With, with Danny, I was still a little vindicated because I never liked her. <laughs> All of her plot lines were like, look, and she's saving these brown people and they're so thankful. Like that one scene in season like three, like back when the show was even like pretty good. I know what scene you're talking about. Ends and she's being lifted up by all of these brown people. And it's just like, the, it's just very weird. I'm being generous in saying that it was weird, but if I'm being completely objective, it was wildly racist. And oh my god, everything with Dory. I, I can't think about that. Okay, we'll get into the real meat of the episode in just a minute, but before we do, I do just want to say that everything about the last season sucked. Everything about the last two seasons sucked major ass, except... Theon Greyjoy. Theon Greyjoy. I really liked the way Theon died because he was protecting Winterfell. He was home. Like, the Starks have always really been his family. He's always been one of, like, the Winterfell boys. As fun as it would have been if he and Sansa had, like, a lavender marriage while thinking about, like, the brother on Sansa's (laughs) part and the lover on Theon's part that they lost, you know, they'd be happy. But, like, I do really think it was the best thing for Theon's character that he died protecting Bran because like yes. because his biggest regret was where oh, was I? I should have been him. I should have died with him. He should have died with Rob. That was his biggest regret. And so like <sighs> so dying to protect his little brother and his family and his home like that was perfect. That was perfect. Throb was not queer baiting, but it um, was fine. George R. R. Martin does not know enough about gay people who <laughs> queer bait at all. But it was, I love Throb. It was a very foundational ship in my life. Everyone reads Stark Family Game Night, the best fan fiction ever, second only to Twist and Shout. Let's talk about Jamie and Brienne. Brainy is Jamie Lannister and Sir Brienne of Tarth. Sir Brienne of Tarth. And it is the most 
beautiful love story that Game of Thrones had to offer. To give the context, Jamie is the son of a lord. Yeah, super high up politically. His sister is married to the king, was married to the king before he died in season one. He's really notorious because he killed the former king. Um, the first time you meet Jamie Lannister, which I assume you all know because <laughs> this is the biggest thing that anyone knows about Game of Thrones is the twin cest. You meet him right off the bat in episode one. He, you see, he fucks his sister and then pushes a child out of a window. So that's the first you see of him. So he's in the second season. He's been captured by the Starks. I can say this pretty, you know. <laughs> the Starks are the good guys. The Lannisters are the bad guys. Jamie Lannister, you are introduced to him and he is the worst possible person. He's, he's terrible. Especially in the early seasons, especially in season one and season two, the Lannisters are undeniably, uncomplicatedly evil. They are cartoonish villains. <laughs> and then there's Brienne. And Brienne is the best. You like her immediately because she's a lady knight. She's lady enormous. Knight. She serves the, like, fun, carefree, gentle gay king. Yeah, you like Renly. You're meant to not like him, but it's, it's impossible so because <laughs> Gethin Andrews is charming. I don't get how you're not supposed to like Renly, but that's also because, you know... I'm a foppish young gay person. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I'm not homophobic. Like, I guess maybe if you were homophobic, you're supposed to dislike the, like, the Baratheon who's like, I just like dressing in, like, fashionable <laughs> clothes and throwing big parties. <laughs> going around with my little boyfriend. <laughs> he's so fun. He dies early because he's the best option yeah. to be king. Best possible outcome was, was if... Renly was king of, like, what the, whatever, how many kingdoms it is, mine is the north. <laughs> and Rob was the king of the north. And Sansa had married Loras. This is very, you know, 17-year-old Maj to say, but, like, it would have been the best ending because it would just be gay people in charge. Okay, so we're introduced to Brienne of Tarth as she beats Loras Tyrell, <laughs> the Knight of Flowers. Her official title of Loras Tyrell, Flowers. Captain of the Rainbow Guard! Introduced to him, he's like the hottest bitch in the kingdom. And he gives Sansa a little rose. <laughs> we probably won't touch on this much in the podcast, but official stance of bait pod. Sansa's a lesbian and also was right. She's a lesbian, she was right. She was right to do everything that she did. I think she could have even been worse and like she would be totally justified. I literally started watching Game of Thrones because I saw so many people on Tumblr being like, I hate Sansa. And I started it because I was like, I don't know who Sansa is, but I want to love her. And it's great because she's so lovable. And she wins. But Brienne is introduced when she beats Loras in a duel in a tournament at Renly's camp and asks to be a member of his Kingsguard. And it's very sweet because Renly and Brienne have this little backstory. Renly was Brienne's first love, which like levels. I didn't rewatch like two hours of Brainy scene comps not to be useful this episode. She found out that all the other boys were dancing with her as a joke and they were laughing at her because she was ugly, which Gwendolyn Christie is literally the hottest woman on the planet. And then Renly danced with her when nobody else would and was like, 
you know, the very Gatsby, like, you're worth a whole lot of them. And so, like, she'd been in love with him ever since, which, like, levels! Anyway, the point is, you're introduced to Brienne, and she is the best. She's a good person. And on Game of Thrones, where everyone's like, ooh, complicated motives, everyone's, like, morally gray. Like, no, not everyone's morally gray, because Brienne <laughs> is always just a beacon of goodness. Um, and then after Renly dies, she swears to be loyal to Captain Stark. And that's how they meet. Jamie and Brienne is enemies to lovers done extremely right. She's taking him for a prisoner exchange. Yes. They first meet when Jamie's captive at Robb Stark's camp. Cat orders Brienne to deliver Jamie to King's Landing uh, to do a hostage, hostage, hostage exchange. exchange of Jamie for the two Stark sisters. Arya is at this point long gone. <laughs> They're just lying. It's a great trope with Jamie and Brienne, the only good romance plotline Game of Thrones ever had to offer because they are on an enemies to lovers speed run. They're alone. She is dragging him to King's Landing. It's like the best buddy he, comedy ever. Her rope. And he is being dragged by Brienne on a rope. She's also massive. He also is like, has the reputation of being the best swordsman in the kingdom. Yes. And he also has a reputation of being, they call him Kingslayer. Brienne is called Brienne the Beauty because her reputation is that she's ugly. Which again, so untrue. Ordinarily, I'm like, you know me, I've said so much on the podcast, but like friends to enemies to lovers, Trump's enemies to friends to lovers. But in this case, they do it right because one, there is very genuine animosity at first. It's not like, oh, they bicker. It's not like they're on opposite teams and they bicker. <laughs> like, they hate each other. Because they represent totally different things. Completely. And also, there's a long phase of, like, begrudging respect. Yes. Well, because they get captured together. Yeah. But get. first, they have that really sexy sword fight. I have a list of pivotal moments in Jamie and Brienne's relationship. It starts off with the sword fight. God, when the guy's, like, punishing your wife, sir, or is she punishing you? And it's so good, because it's like, we don't know who's gonna win. Them, they, every it, time they fight, it's so They get interrupted they, by these people, the Boltons, that come to, like, capture them. And there's real stakes, because it's like, Brienne doesn't want to kill Jamie because she's like, I have to bring him alive to King's Landing. If she kills him, she breaks her oath, which she is a huge thing for her. Jamie literally says, like, oh, this is quite a conundrum because, like, if you kill me, you break your oath. But if you don't kill me, I'm going to kill you. And Jamie, like, there's only, like, three men in the, in the Nine Realms that can, like, best me. He doesn't say who in the show, but I'm pretty sure in the books... He said, like, Loras Terrell has a good shot because, like, he did respect Loras as, like, a swordsman. He was homophobic to him. He did respect him, like, as a knight. Yeah. Jamie has his... Game of Thrones is a sexist show. Jamie has his hand cut off as part of an effort to protect Brienne from being raped. When re-watching it today, so hard to watch, so bad. Oh God, I hated it so, so much. So awful, so awful. Terrible, terrible, terrible. I hate how much Game of Thrones is like, rape is a fine little spicy plot thing to throw in. They're like, would it be interesting if someone was raped right now? It's like, isn't it fun that you're constantly being afraid of that some beloved character is going to get raped? No, it's not. 
Um, they're like, well, in the past, women were raped all the time. Like, and I'm like, what? what's the past? You know, this is so stupid because it's both like, this is the past, but then they're also like, this is a fantasy past. So <laughs> the past so that, like, you know, men hate women more than normal. But it's the fantasy past so they can all be wearing low-cut dresses. Oh, I hate Game of Thrones. So Jamie's hand gets cut off. Um, and it's his sword hand. The way that Game of Thrones really failed in the last few seasons was they were like, Jamie's character arc is about learning how to fight lefty. When it wasn't, Jamie's character arc was about becoming a better person, not how good he was in his fight scenes. But then the last two seasons, they're like, oh, look how cool he is fighting with his gold fake hand. Oh, he's so cool. Shows should never think their characters are cool. Ever. This is why Supernatural succeeds. The Supernatural writers hate Cass. They never thought he was cool and they never tried to make him cool, which so accidentally fun. produced a well-written character. So yeah, you know, the threat of Bran being raped and Jamie getting his hand cut off for it is so sexist and hard to watch. It's the fundamental beginning of their bond. The whole time leading up to this point, he was like, fuck you, you're a freak of nature and I hate you. They're held captive by the Boltons, who suck. The way people talked to Jamie about Brienne, it was so go run and tell your little girlfriend. Like, people made homophobic jokes in Sherlock about John Locke, but, like, there the punchline was, like, one of them is gay, but this one, the punchline is, like, one of them is just a, a very tall, sexy woman with muscles. <laughs> and so they're captured by the Boltons. And while they're there, Jam- They take a bath. They take a big old-timey bath, so it's a big, like, rock thing. He gets insulting her, and she's like, stop it. And he keeps, and then he goes too far, and then she just stands up. Yes! Oh, it's so cool! And he's stands like- up, And it's silent and so tense. And then he's like, you have protected me the best that anyone could. And she's like, don't mock me. And he's just like, I'm apologizing. And she starts being like, she's like, you're like, broke your oath. Like, how could anyone do yes. that? And he, and and he so tells awesome. her why. And he's never told anyone. Never. Because it was like, what if the king told you to like kill your father and had been killing all of these civilians, these innocent people? If Catelyn Stark told you to kill your father and kill these innocent people, would you have done it? And that's why like the crux of their relationship is like honor versus duty. Because there's- Yes, yes. Because there's Brienne who always does what she's told is right. And there's Jamie who always does what he thinks is right. God, and Brienne being framed as a way for Jamie to get his honor back. Like, it's- there's some line in the book when she's like, Brienne's having these fever dreams. And at one point, like, she dreamed of Jamie, like, the thought of failing him, like, she failed Catelyn Stark, made her want to weep. And so they have this moment. And then he, like, collapses. He, like, he faints. And Brienne's like the Kingslayer, because up to this point, she <laughs> only referred to Jamie as the Kingslayer. And he just goes, Jamie. Jamie. My, My name, name is Jamie! Faints in her arms. Oh god, I wish that were me! Oh my god, to be Jamie Lannister. I would never have gone back to my sister. Never! Later, Jamie gets released to his father's men because his father is winning the war. Brienne is left behind because her father can't pay the ransom, and this whole time Jamie has been telling this lie that Brienne's family is rich in sapphires. It's not true. He just made it up to protect her. He's riding away and he's told that they're probably going to kill Brienne now that he's gone. And in the book, he also has a dream 
in which the two of them like have like golden glowing swords and are like fighting a monster together and they're both naked. He wakes up and he's like, I have to go back to her. And he goes back and she's fighting this bear, which, oh, there's a song connected to them, which is the bear and the maiden bear. And they like compare Jamie and Brienne to that song, like, but which is which? The way they treat Jamie and Brienne, like it really feels like it's a gay couple. Which is why we're doing it on this podcast and why it gets sunk the way that it does, I think. Let me read you this quote. Even in a pink soiled pink satin and torn lace, Brienne looked more like a man in a gown than a proper woman. I am grateful, but you were well away. Why come back? A dozen quips came to mind, each crueler than the one before, but Jamie only shrugged. I dreamed of you. Ladies, let's consider the implication. We go back to the castle. So much plot happened. Yes, Cersei and Jamie are reunited. It's like, I don't think it's hashtag fake woke of me to be like, it's abuse. It's like a really toxic relationship with both of them. It's very bad. You know, Cersei is a monster and Jamie is a good person. And that's the difference between them. And like, Jamie learns how to be a better person. Cersei keeps trying to reel him back in until he leaves her. But yeah, so like, they're back. And so it's the two of them paddling about in King's Landing. Joffrey's a wedding. Cersei and Brienne have this moment when uh, Marjorie's talking to Brienne and Brienne bows. And Cersei's like, did you just bow? You hey, know? Remember Marjorie was trying to fuck Brienne? Oh God, Marjorie was so trying to fuck Brienne. <laughs> like, you know, Sansa and Marjorie, it may be a Supergirl level of 2015 lesbian ships, but like, it but is it's good. good. I do stand by it. Purple wedding yeah. happens. Joffrey it's, dies. It's another major turning point in their relationship that I have listed. Sansa has been framed for the murder mm-hmm. and disappears. Uh, so, and that's who Brienne was there for. So now Brienne's like, gotta go off and find Sansa again and figure it out and like protect her. Before this, like Sansa was like, you know, on a pier or something and they were both looking down at her and she like didn't notice and they were talking about it and she's like, Jamie, you promised you need to save her. And Jamie's like, her mother's dead. Where is a place safer for her than this? And it's still like, it's like, yes, Jamie's a Lannister. Jamie's with the Lannisters who are the bad guys. It's Cersei who's a bad guy. But it's like, he really does believe that like Sansa's married to Tyrion at, at this point. At least she's safe here. And yeah. like, no, we got to take her somewhere better. But like, you can see the cracks in Jamie, like, becoming a better person. I would say the biggest turning point in their relationship this far was one, the bat scene, and two, the bear. Three would be when Brienne leaves King's Landing because before she does, Jamie gives her three gifts. One is a set of armor that he was very nervous. He's like, I hope I got your measurements right. Two is Oathkeeper, her sword. It's a sword split of Ned Stark's sword. His thing is that he's the most honorable man in the kingdom. And that's why he died first. Yep. And he was a boring character. And it's like, if a scene that we'll discuss later is the symbolic wedding, this is the symbolic proposal. And like their whole relationship is dancing around these ideals of like knighthood and honor. And like, at this point, Brienne's not a knight. Brienne is just a really, really strong, beautiful woman in armor with a sword. But like he outfits her as a knight. He gives her her own armor fit for her. He gives her a sword with a name. The hilt has the Stark dialogue. Let's cast the Lannister gold. Lannister gold. And then the third gift 
is a child. Podrick, the Jamie and Brienne child. And he's, I love him. He's perfect. Pod's like an actual child in the book. Uh, And yeah, he's like a little boy. When they're captured and try her for oath breaking, they call her the Kingslayer's whore. She's like, not yet. They're like, if you kill Sir Jamie, we won't kill you. And she's like, I can't kill Sir Jamie. And then they're like, okay, we'll kill you. And they they go to hang her and Pod. She's like allowing this to happen, but then she sees Pod and like it's like she can't like oh truly I'm realizing Cassie's like she will not sacrifice Pod to save him. Pod's so good. Like he just she at first is very, very against having a squire and having Pod along because she's like, he's gonna slow me down. And then she teaches him how to fight and how to be a knight and so cute. And she's like, no, I can't knight you. I can teach you how to be one. I love Pod. And like, she's leaving King's Landing to go look for Sansa, which like, and Arya, of course, but like Arya at this point. (laughs) So assumed dead. I think the POV chapters are so funny because like, Catelyn's like, where's my like daughter? When will I see my daughter? And the next chapter will be like Arya Stark, who everyone was totally sure was definitely dead and no one wanted to say. And she is just having the time of her life. <laughs> she, she's having her own little girl adventure. Arya was thriving. But like, it's at this point where it's like, you know, Sansa's still like a sworn enemy of the Lannisters. She's at this point suspected of killing Joffrey. Cersei would obviously want her killed immediately. But Jamie is like, I want you to find her because that's like your oath and he helps her he gives her all of the armor the sword the squire so she can go out and find Sansa and she does she does she finds Sansa she finds both Arya and Sansa Arya like you know runs away because she's a feral child um she kill and she like fights the hound and the hound sucks I hate the hound I don't get how people love the Hound. I hate the Hound. I hate him. He's boring. I mean, he does nothing. Too many people ship him and Sansa for, like, my clarity and peace of mind. Sansa has never had a love interest. Ever. She's just had, like, a long string of men who have abused her. And, like, her family. That's it. That's it. Even Theon is, like, her brother. But... Brienne finds Sansa and finds Arya and she knows Arya is safe and like, you know, Arya eventually skips the country to go to assassin school to do whatever stupid things. And then there's Sansa and she saves her and she wears fealty to her. Sidebar, Sansa and Brienne also. They did have that symbolic wedding when she swore fealty to her. And it was stuck in exactly like a marriage ceremony and Theon gave her away. Beautiful. I loved that scene. So yeah, like, she reunites Sansa with Jon in my favorite scene in probably all of Game of Thrones. Not for, like, quality of the scene or whatever, but just because I've been waiting so long for anything good to happen to Sansa. <laughs> and then Brienne goes back to see Jamie because she's going to, like, the siege at River Run, and it's a very good scene. I, you know, Game of Thrones had very bad rights, but I will say... The scene where it's Podrick's like, it looks like a siege, m'lady. Wendell and Christie's delivery of like, you have a keen military mind, Pod, is probably the funniest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> and so like, they meet at this Lannister siege and they're on opposite sides. Brienne was sent there to try and talk to the Blackfish and the Tullys into getting their support to back Sansa. All complicated, all plot. You don't need to know that. All you need to know 
is that Brienne and Jamie on are, are on opposite sides of this fight, but they st- like, but they don't want to fight each other. They don't. Brienne's like, you can take this without bloodshed. Let me talk to him, and he lets her. It's also very good because there's this moment where they're fighting, and she's like, "Are you calling them traitors for overtaking their ancestral home?" And Jamie is like, "Really? Are we trying to call them traitors for refusing to bend the knee to the Lannisters who own this?" And he's like. We shouldn't argue about politics, which is like, which is like the most couple thing. Brienne was like, don't kill people. And Jamie was like, yes, kill people. And then he's like, politics. We shouldn't <laughs> argue about politics. Like, you shouldn't argue about like, politics. Jamie is a twinks for Trump. He's not a twink, but he would be twinks for Trump. Absolutely. And she tries to give back Oath Keeper the sword because she's like, you gave this to me for a purpose, for a reason. The reason was saving Sansa Stark, and I did that. So she tries to give it back, and he's like, it's yours. It's always been yours. Oh, shut up. Oh, wait, I'm thinking. That's a gift. You keep those! Ugh, it's so good. It's such a good scene. And then there's like Braun, who's, you know, a whatever boring character outside. Of I it. hate Braun. But it was funny in the scene when he was talking to Podrick outside and he's like, Do you think they're fucking? I think they're fucking. <laughs> she wants to fuck her. She wants to fuck him. Have you seen the way they look at each other? And I'm like, You're so right, King. You're it's like, you so right. This is what we mean when they're written like queer baiting. At this point, still yeah. nothing had happened between them. And it was nothing. always kind of like a joke. It was always with the same tone of ask him he was your boyfriend first. Yes, it's so treated like they're like a gay couple somehow. The jokes about them being together is the same way as like even in canon, in Game of Thrones canon, the way people talk about Renly and Loris. It's so good, but it ends so badly. I know. I rewatched all of their scenes except for the last one. Oh, I cannot. I cannot ever watch it again in my life. Uh, um, And I would say the next turning point in their relationship after stupid plot things happen and she makes him betray Cersei for her. It's, it's so good. The stupid plot things happen where they send like the Magnificent Seven, like a fucking buddy comedy. Like, look at this fucking heist movie cast we have. We're gonna send them north of the wall to capture one zombie and bring it to King's Landing to prove that zombies are real, which is so stupid. Dude. You know the zombies that were a metaphor for global warming. How <laughs> they head into the wall? I talk about Game of Thrones and I like, I like understand men and I understand why they like punch holes in walls because if I think too much about the last two seasons of Game of Thrones, I want to punch a hole in my wall. I want to just like start yelling at nothing. Full street car. Full street car. I'm going Stanley Kowalski in my house. But yeah, so they bring this fucking zombie to King's Landing and they have a fucking whatever where like all these people and they're like, zombies are real. We have a zombie to stop them. And Susie's like, yes, we'll stop them. And then she's like, swilling her wine. You can't can't see my face when I'm pretending to twirl an invisible mustache right now. She's like, we're not going to. We're going to stay here. And be Lannisters. <laughs> I will drink my wine. This like, was a cartoon villain, and that never went away. She was such a compelling villain. Sophomore year of college, <laughs> I wrote a paper on her. And she's and written like, well. There's no reason to do any of this anymore. 
Like, honestly, like, it wasn't- She's queen after a point. No one cares that she fucked her brother. There are no stakes. You know, killing Tommen in the end of season six was, like, the last of her motivation. It was like she did everything for her family. And she had no more family. She had no more family. Because even Jamie was, like, so pulling away. Because it's a book they've like, literally separated by that. Yeah. Oh, there was an interview with, uh, I don't know how to pronounce his name, Nicolaj. Oster He's in the Bent movie. Nicolaj. Along with Jude Law and Rachel Weiss, all of whom are in minor roles. Yeah, so there's an interview with Nicolaj Coster Waldo about Game of Thrones. Uh, Nicolaj plays Jamie. And he says that, like, he doesn't understand. He's like, he talked to the, the show writers. He's like, in the end of season six, Jamie would have left Cersei. Which is what happens in the books. Yeah. He's like, after finding out that their the last child is dead and there's nothing for them anymore, he would have left her. And then they were essentially like, no, you're an actor. We don't care. You just have to say the words that we've written. Game of Thrones is so bad. Um, it's such a bad show. But yeah, so they bring them back, and there's this moment where, like, Brienne and Bran pull Jamie aside when all this is going on, and he's like, oh, blah, 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 whatever, 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 and she's like, fuck, fuck loyalty. And that's such a moment, because Brienne has been about nothing but loyalty. All up till now. We talked about honor versus duty, and, like, Jamie is honor, but Brienne is duty, and this is the first time she's like no fuck that because like all up till now she's like jamie's been a lannister he's always like jamie ben lannister he's always been on that side he's always been like if i found sansa i would have to turn her in i would have to kill her because that is my duty i do have to lay siege to the castle i do have to like take river run for for house lannister and brienne's never fought him on that because she understands that like that's his duty as a lannister this is the first time she's really like, fuck loyalty. And Jamie leaves Cersei. He leaves her. And she's like, oh, we have a child. And it's, she's been implying to be pregnant for like three years and has never shown once. At one point, she doesn't drink wine. Oh, God, it's so stupid. It's so stupid. Because it's like... Did we ever find out anything about that? No, of course not. Of course not. She dies still not pregnant. <sighs> but um, he walks out and she, she threatens to cap him killed because she's like, whatever, you're like, you know, Lannisters, blah, 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 family, blah, blah, blah. Found family is always better. <laughs> if you think it- Do not end in blood, boy. And it don't start there either. Uh, but he like walks out on her and it's this very tense moment where it's like she it seems like she's gonna have him killed for it. And he's like, I don't believe you, and he just leaves. And he starts heading north. And it's like, you know, of all the disappointing things they the Game of Thrones ending has, everything was so disappointing. One of the biggest ones for me was like why did he not kill her? It Why? was set up that he was the Valonqar always. Valonqar is like this prophecy that Cersei saw when she was a child that like she was going to be replaced by someone younger and more beautiful. She was not. It was Bran. Who's he is like, younger. 
two, that like she's gonna be killed by the Valonqar, which is, translates to like little brother. You know, it's like, ooh, it's set up. She thought it was Tyrion, but it was always gonna be Jamie. But like, and it was so setting it up for that. But it wasn't, it didn't happen. It didn't happen. Yes, spoilers for Game of Thrones. This didn't happen. They had two prophecies and they didn't fall through on either of them. One of them I don't care about because it was gonna be about like John or Danny. I think they're both boring. I think it's more fun for Arya to kill the Night King because I like Arya better than either of them. Exactly. I was like, that was a good scene. Yeah, it was fun. She stabs him in his crop top. But the second one was the Valonqar prophecy, like, like, I wanted to see that through! They didn't do anything with it. Yeah. Also, in the books, it's maybe implied that Brienne and Jaime together are the prince that was promised. God, that's rogue. Maybe I will read. Don't because they're bad, but do because... Yeah, I, I say I will, but I probably won't because, like, I've learned, and I used to be like, I hate fantasy. I hate fantasy as a genre. And then I learned, no, I just don't like fantasy that's about, like, medieval Europe. There are better fantasy novels out there. There are, I promise you. He leaves Cersei. This should have been set up to him killing her. But it wasn't. Because they suck. And he goes north. I want to say now that if you hover the books, because they'll never be finished, this queer bait has not been sunk and is still only in the setup phases yeah. in the book. Is that what happens is Rand's kidnapped by these people that say she kills Jamie or they kill her and they kill Pod. And so the last time we see Jamie in the book is which Cersei has written him a letter begging him to come back to her and saying like, help me, save me, love me. And he burns it in the fire. And then a soldier shows up and says that, that Brienne woman is here. And he's like, what do you want? He's like, he's like, I'll follow her anywhere. And like goes off with her. And, and like, the question is like, is she going to kill him? Like it's, uh... that's where that's left off. I'm assuming forever. The show is different. All right, guys. Bear with us, because here is where it gets fantastic and then terrible. Game of Thrones, you know, it started getting, you know, bad after season four, but it started getting terrible after season six. The last two seasons were the worst seasons of television ever. However, I wish we'd gotten a warning for what happened to Jamie and Brienne. In the course of an episode. It was so fantastic until the very end. Literally, I, I don't have words for how watching these last scenes made me feel other than being like, I want to eat wood chips. <laughs> it I felt like, like I was being dragged behind a horse. I get so overwhelmed because it got so fucking good. And then- it, I was like, I'm getting everything I want. And then out of nowhere, it got awful. So, Jamie goes north. He goes up to Winterfell. He goes up to fight with the good guys. How stupid that Game of Thrones would be like, at the beginning, the premise was like, there's no good and bad. It's all, you know, people. And at the very end, it's like, these are the good guys. These are the bad guys. You can tell that these are the bad guys because she has like, scary red and black color theme and an army of brown people so that means she's a nazi and these are the good guys so stupid but um so jamie goes north 
And at one point, like, he's being questioned by Daenerys and all the, like, and John and, you know, all the high- They're like, why shouldn't we kill you right now? And Brienne's like, I will vouch for this man. And so they're like, okay, you, he can be your soldier. He can be under your command. Danny was literally like, so why have you abandoned your house and your family now? And he just looks at Brienne. And then like later they, you know, actually reunite, not in the middle of everyone else. She's out training soldiers. And he's like, you know, oh my God, I forgot. I forgot to mention, I forgot to mention, like in an earlier season, Jamie was sailing south for Dorne for some Yes, season. oh God. And he sees this island and he's like, what is that? And so Sailor's like, that's Tarth. And he just stares lovingly and longingly at it. The Sapphire Isle and Brienne's oh, eyes God. always so compared to sapphires. Her blue eyes, they're such a part of it. So romantic, but anyway. So then they're, they're at Winterfell and they reunite and, um, and they're like out on the battlefield and she's training soldiers and he's like, you go, you're leading the left flank. That's amazing. Like eventually she's like, what's going on? You've never talked to me this long without insulting me before, which is like, <laughs> so, like I'm like, that's so romance novel. And he's just like, I came to Winterfell because I'm not the fighter that I used to be, but it would be an honor to serve under your command. You, okay, I'm bringing it out. You want to be brothers in arms to have them to yourself to be shipwrecked together yeah, to perform yeah, yeah. valiant deeds to earn his admiration, to save him from certain deaths, to die for him, to die in his arms like a Spartan kissed once on the lip. All right, guys. Here's where it gets you and then kills you. So it's the night before this big battle where they're going to fight the ice zombies. The night before they fight the ice zombies, Brienne and Jamie and Tyrion and Pod and some other people that are less important to them are all standing around the room and someone calls Brienne Sir Brienne. And she's like, I'm not a knight. I think it was the guy that was trying to fuck her. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it was Tormund, Tormund's giant's thing. I will say it was funny that Jamie had someone to be jealous of. I think that was a genius move, but She's like, no. And Jamie's like, you know, you, you don't actually need a king to knight you. Any knight. Just need another knight. And it's just like, ah! It's symbolic marriage. He knights her. It's symbolic marriage. It's the West Side Story scene. It's like, you know, fuck the ring. Spread out for me like some June bride. This is their symbolic marriage. I understand that I just compared West Side Story to Twist and Shout, but like, yes, we I do that here on Bait the Podcast. Bait Pod, and I do think they are beautiful works of literature. He knights her. He knights her, and it's the most beautiful, most romantic scene I've ever seen. It's so tense. It's so tense because it's and like everyone's looking at them. Brienne has been here since season two, and she's been like a lady knight, but she's never been a knight. She's never been a real knight. And Jamie, like, for all of their relationship, he's never done this. Like, this is so their good. symbolic marriage. It's so tense. It's so quiet. It's in front of, like, you know, their child and Jamie's brother. And, like, Notice and, when like, we... Davos. Notice, we are at the third last episode in which they appear in. And they've still not even, like, hugged. No. So when we say Never. this is a queer bait, we mean it this is a like queer it. bait. It felt like it's so bad. They've never touched besides for like 
when she cradles him in his arms and when he like touches her hands. They have complete plausible deniability as a show that this is gonna happen. It was like a queer thing. And he knights her and it's beautiful and it's romantic and they both think that they're gonna die tomorrow. They go through the battle, they fight it side by side. Very little of them in that episode, but it was all incredibly good. Oh, it's so good. I love him so much. And then they don't. They don't die. Basically, everyone plot relevant lives. Except for Theon. And so it's the night after, and they're, like, all hanging out in, like, Winterfell Hall. And they're playing a drinking game with Pod, Tyrion, Jamie, and Brienne. And it's so good because it's like she's bonding with his little brother who's also his best friend because Jamie's a loser who doesn't have friends. He isn't getting a friend through Braun, which is like Tyrion passes him a friend. And it's like, it's, it's very fun. And they're like joking around and they're laughing. And It's never and, have I ever, but in a fantasy yeah, setting. Yeah, never have I ever. And she's like, it's like both of them, like both Jamie and Bran are like, oh no, Podrick told you that. Like... Yeah, I told you that. It's 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 very sweet. It's so sweet. And then Tyrion is like, "You're a virgin." And Brienne gets up and she walks out. I hate this because it's so good. And you know, Tormund, the guy who's like Jamie's romantic rival for Brienne's affection, shows up and is like, "We fought them. It was great. <laughs> we fought those ice zombies." Tyrion and Pod distract Tormund so Jamie can go after Brienne. He goes after Brienne and he goes into her room and it's like... He's like, it's, it's so hot in here, you keep it too so hot. hot in here. And she's like, oh, the first thing that I learned about the North was to keep the fire on. He's, it's so serious. It's so tense. He's like, the first thing I learned about the North is that I fucking hate the North. And she's like... And they both know what's about to happen. Like, she's like, you it, feel it in the room. She's like, it grows on you. And he's like, oh, it's so hot, it's so hot. And he's like, starts trying to take off his shirt. And she's eventually like, here, I'll do it. And then he starts to do hers. And she's like, what are you doing? And he's like, taking off your shirt. Here's the thing at this point with Jamie and Rianne. They both know what the other feels about each other. But unlike things like Destia, yep, take your shots if you're playing a drinking game. We circle back. (laughs) Things like Destia where it's like, they know, but they're content with it. This is like... This last scene, it captures so well the feeling of like when you have, when you like someone, when you love someone and you know they feel the same way, but you're just waiting for someone to make the move. And it's like the butterflies that you get when you know someone's into you. And it's like, you know, like the slight time, like it's so- We're very happy for you, Maj. <laughs> Here on the podcast, we're very happy that one of our hosts is having success in her romantic pursuits. No, no. Listen, okay, this is the thing. And you know someone likes you and that you it's exciting and it's scary and you're just waiting for someone to make the move. It captures this so well with this. Because they both know. And so he's just taking off her shirt and they're just like, oh, it's the best line. I've never been with a knight before. I've never slept with anyone before and they're just looking at one another. This is what we mean when we say it's gay. He says, I've never slept with a knight before. I can't explain how, but it's gay. (laughs) And he kisses her. He kisses her. And I remember, I remember watching this in the room I'm in right now in my new apartment. We just moved in and Game of Thrones is airing. And Holly and I were sitting in here watching it and 
seeing that happen, I started screaming. I got up and I started I was screaming. screaming. I was like wordless, like shrieking. Like I was being tortured because it was so much. It was everything I'd wanted. They finally kissed. And it was a tasteful fade to black and it was good. Because Game of Thrones is bad with sex scenes. I want them to treat with this with the utmost respect. And they did because it was a, they kissed. It's a fade to black. Brienne, Brienne, look. We don't endorse the men get pegged culture here because it got annoying, but you could tell. And then the next day, Jamie was like, wow, pussy's so good, I'm going to retire. And from this point, has everyone here seen, I'm going to assume everyone has seen the iconic Nora Ephron film, When Harry Met Sally. Imagine if the point in When Harry Met Sally when Meg Ryan and Billy Crystal have unfulfilling sex for the first time. They've been building up the relationship for years and finally they have sex. And imagine, instead of what happens after that, you know, awkward, unfulfilling first time that was also very tense and like this amazing moment, instead of them briefly breaking up and at the end of the film, he runs to her on New Year's Eve and and says one of my personal favorite lines from any rom-com, which is, um, when you know who you want to spend the rest of your life with, you want the rest of your life to start right away. Instead of that happening and it ending with them getting married, imagine he went back to his ex-wife after that scene and that was the end of the movie. And then they died in an avalanche. That's how Brainy went. At some point, there is a scene where Tyrion's talking to Jamie and they're like talking about the war in King's Landing. And Jamie's like, no, I think I'm going to stay. I think I'm going to stay up north. You know, I'm going to retire. have a nice life with Brienne. Pussy's so good. I'm going to quit fighting forever. I am just going to be a fucking housewife with Brienne up here, up north in Winterfell. I'm not going to give a shit about the rest of the world. I'm so happy. And you know what? We're going to continue with this podcast in a moment, but I just want to take a minute and keep living in my world that I've been living in the past year where that's how Game of Thrones ends. Yes, they're so happy. They have children. They're happy together, retired. It is so good. They don't care about what else is going on in the world. They don't even know. Okay. All he right. her to go back to his sister. This is how you sink a ship. Brienne, a character we know and love and have loved since we met her in season two, and she's been the best character, such a strong character, is outside. She's in a housecoat begging Jamie to stay. And he's like, I'm going to go fuck my <laughs> sister. I mean, it still would have made me so angry, but it, like, but it wouldn't have made me so heartbroken if it had been bad up to this point. If, like, the past two seasons of Jamie and Brienne, like, you know, the show kept getting worse and worse, but, like, Jamie and Brienne's scenes kept being good. Like, they came off the nighting scene, which was beautiful, and it was so romantic. It was wonderful. And, like, the tasteful fade to black sex scene. It was good stuff. And it wasn't just garbage, and it didn't lead up to this at all. They wouldn't have done this. Now I'm afraid. No, stop it. Stop it. Stop it. I know. Every time I think about it. They won't do that because, you know, I will say one thing for the ending of Game of Thrones. 
it was so bad that I think every showrunner in existence was like, okay, that's how I don't do things. He leaves their bed. They're sleeping together. He gets up and he leaves and he's like, I'm going to see Cersei. And I really thought I was so There confident. were two episodes left. So confident. I'm like, he's going and he's doing this and he's trying to break her heart so she'll stay here and stay safe. He's sparing her and he's going to go find Cersei and he's going to kill her so no one else has to get hurt. I was wrong! I just don't understand. Do you hate women that much? Not only do they hate women, but they hate everybody. I can't think of a single person that was like, yeah, Jamie should breathe with Cersei at the end. Besides for like, you know, weirdos on Tumblr.com, nobody thought that. Everybody was like, Jamie and Brienne is good. You know, yeah, it mostly resonated with, with gay people because, like, what else are we going to do? Like, see ourselves in Renly and Loras? No. <laughs> it was homophobic as all hell. It was very good, and I missed them, and I loved them dearly. But, like, yeah, it was homophobic as all fun. <laughs> Everybody loved Jamie and Brienne. Because, like, yeah, Brienne was hot. Objectively, Gwendolyn Christie's beautiful. She's so hot. And then, no, I was wrong. I, I was wrong. He wasn't like, oh, no, maybe they were going to finally make this good in me. Like, he goes to King's Landing and he kills Cersei. And he's like, I didn't want Brienne to come here and risk her life. No, he goes there and he's like, Cersei, I love you. And then they get crushed by rubble. And they They're die. supposed to run away in a boat together to have more, I guess, to have the incest child that had taken three years to gestate. <laughs> But it never shown ever. It's opposite Jack Klein. I hate Game of Thrones. I hate Game of Thrones. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. Now, why did they do that? Why did they do any of that? Why did it suck so bad? I thought they, like, you wrote this. You wrote this. You did this. You didn't have to do any of this. Like, you know what? Every other ship that's ever been sunk has nothing on this. Because, like, the biggest way to kill something is you have them fuck. To be like, this isn't queer bait. And then you kill it. To be like, we hate you. Like, if John Locke fucked and then they were like, no, we hate you. Fuck you. They hate us. I think John Locke could have totally gotten away with them fucking and being like, that was just because we were drunk. And it was a case. And I had a hypothesis. I, that would be funny. Not to me Watson. back in the day when I was into Sherlock, but now it would be. Watson, I deduced <laughs> that you're bottom, so you couldn't be the killer of the crime. <laughs> okay. We've talked about Jamie and Brienne. It just makes me feel like I want to die. Jamie and Brienne, ignoring its terrible ending, Jamie and Brienne are the good noble heroic woman changes the terrible terrible man ship that Raylo faces like it is jamie has had until you know for some reason they sabotaged it for no reason for no reason they could have just not written him in the last couple episodes they could have just like had him done nothing i don't know why they did this because jamie had one of the best redemption arcs ever it, it was could have ended early. They were like, fuck you. What the fuck? I knew I was going to do this. I knew I was going to get like this. This is why we haven't cut, we haven't even talked. We haven't even referenced Jamie and Bran until now. Because it was the most horrible, brutal thing to ever happen. 
And it happened in a matter of like an hour and a half. I just, I felt like I was hit by a truck. Like it was so terrible and brutal and for no reason. It was a real loss of our national innocence, like Watergate, but for our generation. Let's rate it. 10. I can say without a doubt, we are Billy Portering it. 10. 10. 10. Blanca. Ross the board. It was so foundational. It was such a great ship. It was so amazing. They built it up so long term. And then they, for no reason during the course of one episode, canonized it and killed it. And that- Christ our Lord, and they didn't resurrect him three days later. That is how you kill a ship. I just- Like, you know, people like me, who like, you know, if, if it never happens, I'll constantly be like, could happen, could happen someday, could have happened maybe. But by making it happen and then killing it, this is why the Brideside movie sucks, Joe. This is why the Brideside movie sucks. Because in every other Brideside adaptation, and Brideside itself, they don't show Charles and Sebastian kiss or fuck or anything, because what you're meant to kind of understand is they've been together forever, but we just can't say it. And, and then it leaves it up to the imagination. But by having them kiss and defining the relationship in the way that they do, it takes away all question of what's really going on and tells you, know, this is a straight person. Brutal. It's so brutal. In conclusion, I'm so upset. How could they do this to us? How I, could they do it to Gwendolyn? All right. We know what we're being cremated by at the moment. So uh, what have we watched lately or read lately? Um, reading The Bell Jar. I'm really enjoying it. Every time I read it, I'm like, see, she has it worse than me. When you told me that, I was like, wow, that's like, how I read the Twilight books when I was in middle school is I would be sad over middle school things and I would read Twilight and I'm like at least Bella Swan's living a worse life than me. (laughs) I finally watched The Lighthouse and it was great. I loved it. I plug this on the last one but I'll plug it again here. I wrote a radio play called At the End of the World. Um, It is at this point hopefully going to be on spotify itunes podbean youtube and like maybe audible i don't know it's about uh anti-semitism in the 30s and 40s in america it is not a queer bait it is not fun or funny it is my serious work from my serious side of myself yeah, you should all watch it. We'll put out the link to it. I'm really proud of it. And I'm really proud of my friends who did it. All right. <sighs> well, thanks, guys. Peace out, fake girls. Yeah, fake girls. Wow, what a throwback. <laughs> if you know that, you're a real fan of the pod. Yeah, you're a real fan of not only the pod, but me as a person. <laughs> uh, all right. Bye, guys. This was a rough one. I'm so upset. I'm going to go lie face down on my bed and think about Jamie and Brienne. I'm going to read Stark Family Game Night. All right, bye, everyone. Bye.